Welcome back to episode two of The Pod of Many Things, the chill podcast where we talk anything and everything tabletop RPG. My name's Leon, and once again, I'm joined by the fabulous Troy. Hello, hello. And Addison. You're right. How you doing? If you were one of the very few people who listened to episode one before this one was released, I think we all really just want to take a moment to say a huge heartfelt thank you for your feedback, don't we, guys? Yes, big thanks. We passed the 100 view mark on the video. We are so buzzed about that. Yeah, I was expecting like 10% yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sat, sat here waiting for like maybe 15 views, like, woo! I remember us like talking, like, how many people do you think we'll reach? And it was like, oh, maybe 40 at a push. And then we're like, <laughs> like um, no, but it is really, it is really nice to know that people have enjoyed it they've given us feedback very humbling yeah definitely and like a hundred people is a hundred people like oh yeah like yeah it's a lot that's of people. nuts um considering we're just free blokes from pretty much the arse end of nowhere in england and now yeah basically. we're like doing this now and we're enjoying it and hopefully we can yeah, we were literally that. bored one day and uh, decided fuck it let's do a podcast and here we are recording episode two yeah yeah, it's going well so far. We've had a few technical issues along the way. Um, but, you know, we've sorted it out, hopefully. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Touch wood. So, Leon, <laughs> what the hell is episode two? What the hell is episode two? Ah, yes. Uh, thank you for the segue, which I obviously noticed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, last week's theme was all about our own firsts in the world of D&D and tabletop RPGs. This time, we want to give the budding DMs and players out there a few tips, tricks, and stories on how to prepare for your games. So, this is the first in a two-part theme. Preparation. This week we're going to be talking about how we prep as DMs. Then next week we're going to share our stories and give advice on character creation. I want to begin by asking you guys an incredibly important question. I want, what I want you to do, if you could sum up the role of a dungeon master or a game master, whichever one you call it, in one word, what would that word be? Then, after, what we'll do is we'll discuss and justify our choices. Maybe even come to a consensus. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, one word, facilitator. Facilitator is my word. I can tell you work in a school. <laughs> <laughs> facilitator. Mm, mm, that's a good one. Damn. Uh, one word. Um excited <laughs> okay okay yeah what about um, you Leon my one word is gonna be banker <laughs> <laughs> when do we call when do we start playing Monopoly okay I feel as if right, banker this uh, needs the the first explanation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay okay um my personal view of the dungeon master game master i'll just stick to dungeon master um is that they are no more important than anybody else at the table they are there to facilitate the rules they are just another player um but they have a different set of rules that they're playing to um similar to the banker in monopoly Okay, okay, so there is a Monopoly reference in there, alright. There is, yes. Uh, so it's so basically uh, their rules um, almost like resource management rather than um, rather than just... Not really, not really resource management, you know, everybody's playing the same game, they just have a different role in that game. 
Right. So, so, so it's kind of like the idea that the players are playing the game, and then every now and then they turn to you and go, hey, what about this? Yeah. Essentially, in a nutshell. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. Uh, well, mine's pretty self-explanatory. Like, <laughs> like excited. I just, I'm just a very uh, easily excitable DM. Like, as soon as any of my players start doing something that I get hyped about, I'm just, I'm on that train, and I'm like, let's do it, let's go. Um, you know, I love my combat, I love my role play, uh, all of that good stuff. So, I, I'm just, I just get very buzzed. Yeah, I, I think it's important for the DM to be buzzed because um, it kind of sets the tone. And you know, if you've got a very miserable DM, then everybody else at the table is going to be quite miserable and it's not going to be in a, an engaging gaming experience. So yeah, I, I would agree with Excited. I like that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Like, There's nothing worse than looking across the table at a point where you're like, man, this is epic. And then looking at your DM's face and they're just like stone-faced and you're like, oh, have I done something wrong? <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, so how about yours, Alison? Your word was facilitator. You've got the most uh, uh, measured word for DM. So take um, it away. So yeah, um, I suppose it's because I'm used to that word in terms of like my profession as well. Um, so like, I think the DM's thing is to uh, facilitate the the table with the, not just the rules but opportunities. So you need to give your players as a dm the opportunity to do what they want like as long as it doesn't break the game or break the rules a bit like how kind of feeds into what you two have said previously like yeah you've got a different set of rules or a different role that you also have to follow but you're doing this with people and the difference between like a facilitator and a leader is that idea of um of like uh power like as as a dm i have nothing without the the players around me enjoying themselves and having fun and feeding my narrative so i have to facilitate opportunities for them to do that i'm not leading them anywhere i'm going right here's what what i've prepared have at it and we'll see where we go rather than i, I would agree rather than just being there like you're gonna do this so you need to make a choice and then b choice and then get to d choice through c choice like because i yeah oh. yeah i've, yeah, that's, I've, that's I've, had, I've had dms that do try to lead and um don't let you do what you want to do you know if, if they haven't prepared for it then it's they're not gonna do anything about it and every time i've had a dm like that the game has absolutely sucked I 100% agree that the DM is there to, um, what was the word that you used? Facilitate. Uh, facilitate, yes, rather yeah. than lead. Because also as well, you've got to remember that D&D, at the base of it, is like a power fantasy. Like, I get to cast Fireball, right? <laughs> Let, all right wizard calm it down <laughs> let me let me like don't like because i i've i've had one one experience where like they were like this is gritty realism i'm batman and it was like it was like if, if could you do that in real life was his question and i'm like dude there are dragons on the other side <laughs> of that door like, don't talk to me about what i can do in real life right now like 
What? D&D yeah, was... is not Sims. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, like, so like, I think being able to facilitate that and, and help people achieve that, like, power fantasy and do cool stuff, especially at a time like we're doing now with, with the lockdown mm. and thing, it's good for them. Like, how many times have you ever said to your mates who have been in your D&D game or anything, do you remember that time where my character, the, the sentence you actually say is, do you remember that time when I... Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. So, so yep. many times. Yeah. The, it's not. Do you remember when my character A did this? It's. Do you remember when I did this and you did this and rah rah. So, you've got to facilitate that. You've got to let them have that imagination. So that's why yeah. I would go with facilitator. Yep. I, don't know, I, like I want that. to steal your word now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to facilitate Addison. <laughs> but I, I don't. I'm not gonna lie, Troy. Like excited is also like a a, a big one. Because I, I, like um, we, you were saying, and Leon was saying, like you've got to also facilitate the tone. Like if you're there, bored out your out your bonds, telling everybody like, oh yeah, I'm not really feeling it. How are you expecting them to have a good time? Like this is a very good point. Yeah. So yeah, like, I mean, the whole point, yeah, though, the whole reason we do it is to have a good time. We're not doing it to sit at a table and be miserable with each other. We're doing it to get away from the things <laughs> that make us miserable. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't play D and D to become miserable, unless like <laughs> the story's going that way. Yeah, um, unless you're the edgiest warlock ever. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're you're playing that character. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, but most of the time, I'm playing it to have fun. So. Um, and you know, the the next part of that question was, can we come up with a consensus? I think we've pretty much come up with a consensus there, haven't we? Oh, we're yeah, all in agreement. None none of us yeah. are leaders. We're all facilitators and bankers and excited facilitating facilitating yep. bankers. <laughs> so we are excited yes. facilitating bankers. I like it. Yes. That's so such a rural monopoly man. <laughs> we need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the pod of many things merch right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> Sizes extra small to extra 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 large. Yeah, any t-shirt designers uh, out there uh, get in touch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, that's a discussion for later anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll come to a consensus on that. We know what a DM is, we know what our own individual um, idea of a DM is, and it, it's, it's similar across all three of us. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So, let's go back to the theme of this episode. So, preparation as a DM, DM prep. I'm going to start with a question. I, I already know what your answers are to this question, but your answers are going to be different to my question. Um, are you a DM who runs modules or homebrew? I'll go first because your answers are going to be different to mine. Yep, go for it. I'm a, I'm a DM that uses modules and I can justify why. I won't do that now. I'll let you answer the question first. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mentioned in the previous episode that I do homebrew and my first ever experience DMing was literally that. And I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually run a module even to this day so that's where i am i will admit i kind of cheat so i'll like use i'll like i'll use homebrew i'll homebrew like my own adventure and whatnot but i might use like campaign settings source books from wizards so like for example yeah. you guys said uh, in the last episode that i was um doing a wild mount campaign um from Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, but I'm not using any of their adventure hooks or anything. I'm using my yeah. own uh, stuff. Makes sense. So, but if I wanted to, 
if I was if I was presented like you either have to run a module and everything inside it, or you have to completely homebrew everything. I think I would lean more towards the uh, homebrew everything side. But it's interesting because we've we've sort of got this spectrum, haven't we? Where it's like Leon, you you run modules. Addison, you sort of use modules as inspiration, but then homebrew, and then there's me that just does everything from scratch. <laughs> we literally went, uh, what, left, middle, and right yeah. in the political yeah. spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, we're covering all the bases. We're covering all the bases. Um, I can justify why I use modules. I really want to um, hear this, yeah, I do. Okay, the, the first thing, first reason is time. It takes a, a heck of a lot of time to homebrew your own... Uh, not just your own world, but missions, NPCs, all of that stuff it takes a heck of a lot of time. And I have plenty of respect for people that do homebrew that stuff because I know how much I've tried it before and I know how much time that takes. Yep. I'm going to be 30 years old this year. I've got a lot going on. I just don't have time to do homebrew. <laughs> Anybody got time <laughs> for that? Time. It's that simple. Yeah. The second thing, the second reason is every time I've tried to homebrew, book has come out that has caught my imagination and i thought wait you know what that's better than what i was thinking of doing good example of this i i once started a campaign of princes of the apocalypse um maybe did three four sessions before it kind of petered out because people would be in a bit uh, unreliable and that wasn't a very good campaign in my opinion and the story wasn't very engaging um and i just wasn't feeling it so I started working on my own homebrew thing, but then a book came out, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and watching the YouTube videos, reading articles about it, I was thinking, you know what, I would much rather play this than the idea that I had, so I'm going to play this. So went, bought the book, read the whole thing, thought, wow, this is amazing, got a group together, played it, loved it, it was fantastic. Then when I finished that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to homebrew my own setting this time, it's going to be fantastic. And then Baldur's Gate de Descent into Avernus came out, and I was like, wait, what? Mad Max in hell? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, Mad Forget Max in hell. This is way better. <laughs> this is way better. I'm going to do this instead. So that's why I keep doing homebrew. Uh, that's why I keep doing modules, not homebrew. Um, every time I try and do my homebrew, something else comes up that, that's just way better. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, to be fair, there are some fantastically talented writers and wizards like hot damn some of those modules are yeah. really well done so i, I do not blame you for looking at it and going like yeah i'm gonna use that instead because that's pretty damn good <laughs> well even the throwaway yeah, like, like I, I was sorry um even I, I was planning... stuff, one of us needs to go you go first yeah. okay even the throwaway <laughs> stuff in like um in like the so for example, the Ghost of Saltmarsh, you know you've got those like throwaway little adventures, like missions, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, That's I all they are. Yeah, the, whole, the whole thing is just a collection of uh, random little. missions, which is yeah. loosely uh, connected by a very thin narrative. Um, yeah. But the idea is that you can take a mission and put it into your campaign. Exactly, but like even those are good, so I can understand why you would use them. Like mm, some of them are good. Yeah. I, I'm currently DMing that. I, I, I'm not entirely digging it, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I guess we're moving along the spectrum here, so let, let's let's go to uh, the middle of the fence, Addison. <laughs> Addison, yes. So, little bit of module, little bit of homebrew. Yeah. So the thing, I think Leon's thing of time is the most accurate 
Because, mm. like, if I'm creating something, and as a, as a writer, like, just naturally, it's something I've always done since I was, like, a kid. Um, yeah. If you get me to, like, homebrew something, there is detail. It looks like one of those movie conspiracy board things with, like, red threads and, like... Oh, yeah. Like, words like, oh, this word is really important because... So, like, in terms of time, uh, you, homebrewing is, like, extensive for me. Like, I can't just do it by halves. I have to do, like the creation myth and like I'll, I'll have a bible like an actual bible for my world before i've even started doing like topography and stuff wow like right um and it's just nuts so in the end what i started doing was i looked at the settings that they had uh admittedly i mainly use the critical role setting because i watch the show so i'm familiar with it and um but there's some of the ghost of Saltmarsh stuff I, I like um, Sword Coast Adventures guides, so though, like using those are quite helpful because you've yeah. already got all that basic stuff, mm. the the creation myth, rah, rah rah rah. All you've got to do now is actually write the story. You don't have to write all the fluff and the. So if I compare it to like biology, you've got the skeleton. So now I've just got to put the muscles in, like sort of thing, yeah, and then yeah. and then skin it how I want it. Like it's not. Oh, I've got to start off with like the every skeleton, every bone, and make sure it connects properly. And rah rah rah, it is literally like right, I've got it, bang, let's go. So, for example, with my wild mount campaign at the minute, uh, it's not a hundred percent accurate to the uh, to the uh, uh, show of Critical Role because obviously we haven't learned that much about it, but. Um, mm there's there's things that i do there like i take a faction i've put all the characters in that faction and they do like little missions that um they're beginning to realize are part of a greater conspiracy and now right. we're getting to that big thing so i i like doing that rather than having to like like i said disappear like uh like a movie madman <laughs> And like come out like I've cracked it. I know. Your wife just walks <laughs> like, into the bedroom and she's like having to duck under all the red strings. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I come out like Robin Williams in a in a Jumanji. Like, what year is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like, I understand that. I, I get. What See that that's that, that's the approach I was taking to my homebrew. I wanted to run something in Eberron because every every time I've played D and D, it's been in uh, Forgotten Realms with the exception of Curse of Strahd. Um, and there's nothing wrong with uh, Forgotten Realms, the Sword Coast, Faerun, and all of that. Um, but Eberron is just a whole other ballgame. It's amazing. Oh, Eberron's and... fantastic. Yeah, I had a look at that the yeah. other day. A friend of mine gave me access to it. Very good stuff. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to homebrew, and then Descent into Avernus came along, and I was like, cancel all the plans. I'm going to help. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's going to help. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Troy, you are 100% homebrew, so yeah. what's your approach to okay, it? Okay, so I imagine there's a lot of people out there going, like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you know, where do you find the time? And I'll be honest with you, uh, I don't know. Uh, I just pull time out of my ass, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's more of a case of because all time I've bucket. done is homebrew is i've had to figure out ways to streamline and almost self-police myself you know like because as you said addison you'll sit there and you'll like hours upon hours just poured into 
this document of like the the world creation uh, individual characters and all this stuff and then you realize that like in your campaign setting half your players just want to stab something in the face so you're like okay well there's only really one person at the table that might ask the right questions so the way that i approach it is firstly i police myself and i say you know don't don't spend too long on little things like get the bones done so eg creation story and stuff to a to a degree um but don't don't overhaul on the detail because you'll 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 stress out you'll you'll pour all this love into it and if no one asks you the questions about the backstory you'll be a little bit like come on man i like spent three hours writing that um, i feel this on such an emotional level yeah, right it is, now it i feel is. personally attacked yeah <laughs> i don't mean to but like that's it i think there are other dms out there that will also feel like oh bro you're talking to my soul uh, exactly <laughs> I think I think I said something similar in the last uh, episode. I said uh, something along the lines of, "I used to like methodically prepare for each session. Yes, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is going to happen, and then the players are going to do this, and then they're going to talk to that person, and so on and so forth." And I stopped doing that mm. because the players would never ever do what I anticipate them to do, which is why I don't do that anymore. Yep. I normally plan they have, like they, an hour before the session. They have a way of just like out of nowhere just shitting all over whatever you had planned and uh i i quickly learned that yeah um homebrewing it the way that um the writers would normally go about doing it isn't how i should be doing it i I think that's what i quickly discovered um so the other thing that i i do when it comes to sort of i guess it's more of a preparation thing um but i come from a very deep background in gaming I love games. Uh, I've played games since I was a very like young kid, and they've been a big influential part of my life for a long time. And it was probably what get, got me started into actually having any sort of interest in this RPG side, because I'd played things like World of Warcraft and stuff where I've escaped to characters, and I've escaped into these worlds. And I'm like, wait, I can do that myself. Um, so one major thing that I take from games is how games work in the base code right so when 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 a player jumps into a massive game like skyrim um skyrim has a bunch of lore that the writers have put down and stuff like that but the player that is in the game does not see everything at once you know what i mean like there is there is a whole world that you can go explore but what the developers do is that they load sections of the game that are visible to your player at a time, right? So the way that I design my homebrew is as I go along and as my players go along, I build the muscles as they explore the bones. Yeah. Um, So section at a time, which makes it a lot easier for me to focus on things. Because then if I do want to double down on details, it's more likely for them to stumble across it because it is in their general, like, I guess, vicinity in terms of the, the story. Um, so mm. that's how I do it. I just sort of like, as the players move into a new area, I load the new area with writing. Um, and okay. then and then sort of, if there are any strings that I want to link to the bones that I have elsewhere, you know, I can, I can have those ties be put in later on. I don't have to worry about it right there and then, you know. That, that's that's a really good like metaphor Call them ligaments it. instead of strings. Put the ligaments on the skeleton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, piecemeal it uh I, I load it in like a game would that's how that's how i sort of figure it out in my head 
No, no, fair enough. Like loading like screens, I yeah. like it. I like yeah, it. exactly. It also helps that, just for everybody aware, I've played in one of Troy's, um, so everybody's aware, I've played in one of Troy's homebrew worlds, and the dude is ridiculously talented at everything. And like, I love him, but hate him at the same time, <laughs> because it, like his homebrew world was amazing. Like, And I was just like, ah, oh, this is so cool. Like, yeah. to the point where you had like a lizard folk language. I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So you no. Know, it, it, so yeah. I, and now that you've you've explained it like that, when I remember playing, yeah, you, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because like yeah. you guys never really just randomly ran off into the woods like miles away. You sort of stayed in the vicinity. Characters kept you in this local area. So all I had to do was just put detail in that area and there was enough for you to just be like attracted by that makes sense yeah yeah but that's that's how i've done it that's how i've done it since since the beginning basically because i had to i had to quickly figure out how to get it done quickly because my players loved playing D and well i meant i had to write write sessions a lot fair enough good approach i like it and I will definitely be considering this when I do eventually get back to doing some homebrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think maybe yeah. the idea is also quite good for um, sort of if you are running a module as well, because obviously a module yeah. will have like a whole section about a town or something. Um, yeah. So with with a module, the, the the main thing that you have to do, the single most important piece of preparation is read the book from beginning to end. That's all you need to do. Read the book from beginning to the end. And like I said last time, um, I don't plan my sessions until like an, an hour, two hours before they're about to start. Um, what did my players do last time? Where are they? Who are the NPCs um, around them? What mission are they currently on or what plot hooks are nearby? Um, just make sure you know what's in the book, who the NPCs are, what, what their personality is, what their goals are, um, what locations are nearby. And then if your players, and then just let your players go wherever you want. Yeah. If you've read the book well enough, you can just take it from there. Yeah, I, I'm with with like settings. You have to do that as well. Like you, you yes. admittedly, I have to keep going back because um, sometimes, uh, obviously. Uh, for those people who don't know, I'm uh, heavily dyslexic, dyspraxic, so sometimes I forget things. But um, mainly, well, that's why I have the reference material with me at all times. So I've read it, and then I know of whereabouts it is in the book if I need to like go back and then I flip through quickly. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Incredible! I love that. Like, it's, it's a nice. I, I like the fact that we've got this spectrum of DMing styles here. Yeah. Yeah, experience, experience, especially different experiences, good to hear yep. from because then you can yeah. learn stuff. You're welcome, guys uh, in the audience. You know, we're covering all, <laughs> all of your bases. <laughs> so, where are we going to next? Yeah. Ah. We, next, 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 next. Uh, very good question. Now, you're preparing your campaign, whether that be a module or a homebrew. You have some players. Do you do? Session zero, yay or nay? Mm. That is subjective. That is subjective. That is subjective. Are you talking, um, just for clarity, are you talking like uh, on average do you do a session zero or is it something that you always do or how how do you want um, to let's, 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 let's rephrase it. Let's rephrase it this way. 
would you recommend doing a session zero? And a session zero is where before you start your campaign, you get together with all of your players, um, explain what the campaign is going to be like, um, lay down some ground rules, um, discuss the requirements for their characters that they're going to go off and make. Do you have that thing before you start a campaign? Uh, if I can, yes. I will say that, yeah. I enjoy it. I like a good session zero, especially if... Because sometimes I've done session zeros for each individual character. Um, yeah. And that way you can sort of give them almost like a unique little like background story from the get-go um, that yeah. none of the other players will know about and that kind of creates an interesting roleplay dynamic there. But yeah, I love I love a good session zero. If I can use it, like Addison said, I'll definitely give it a go. Um, I think you, Troy, do session zeros a bit differently as well in terms of like some people when they do session zero. I don't know if you do it like this, Leon, or if you even do it, but um, they just hold court basically and basically have like a meeting of like... Um, but I like how we'll with you, Troy. We'll create our characters, and then we'll have like a little mini adventure. Yeah, like we'll do like a like a little bit of of, of like like a, a mini story. So you've you did it with me and our friend uh, on Friday yeah. for our current game that we're playing, and uh, yeah, uh, that that was really good because you you talked about us to our, our characters, mm-hmm. introduced us to the setting, and then did all that. Yeah, and, yeah, I, and I also good. split you into two separate groups because I've got four players. Um, obviously, it was due to availability, but it was it was quite good to actually separate the two players out because then everything that I told the first group may not necessarily be known to the second group, and so when in session one they come together, there's there's almost talking points. There's things for you to sort of move into um quite effortlessly mm. what about you leon yeah. what's your uh... I've, I've, I've never done a session zero um, <laughs> i've done what you could consider a session 0.5 what i'll usually do is i'll talk to players individually beforehand you know that could be in person it could be on facebook through messenger something like that um and then once that's done i'll probably get everybody together in a group chat lay down the law on the group chat and when it comes around to the first session so 0.5 whatever you want to call it um, we'll have a discussion as a group maybe for the first hour or so and my sessions are usually about three hours and then we'll spend the second two hours that doesn't make sense we'll spend the next two hours um, literally playing the game so yeah, yeah I don't really do a session zero but I do have those discussions beforehand I when I do it, admittedly, I do. Um, I try and do something that's a. Uh, I give like my players, like you do, Leon, some guidance in like a, a messaging app or something. But then mm-hmm. when we come together, I kind of like to try and do like character creation together, so that um, especially if there's like say new people or people who've never played together before, because it gives them time to get familiar with each other and like maybe test like each other's like uh special specialties mm. so for example yeah. if i was dming for myself and then um i came along and sat down and there was somebody who wanted to play monk for the first time monk is like my favorite class and we'll get into that in another day why but that's my favorite so that's like my area of expertise so i can help that person build their character 
and yeah. you become more friendly and stuff like that. And then if there's mm. time, I'll do a bit of a, a bit of the adventure. But I, I kind of like that getting together aspect uh, beforehand so you, and making people feel comfortable. I think that's you've touched on a good it, point there. Yeah, making people feel comfortable is very important. Session comfortable would be yeah. like or uh, because uh, then because we'll we'll make it i try and make it chill like i might bring snacks or whatnot yeah I, I i guess i guess i don't do that because i'm quite fortunate in the fact i'm in about three different groups and they're all like long-term groups we've all known each other in those individual groups for a while so i don't really need to break the ice for new people if that makes we sense got, we got a bit of a game we did, we did recently here, have we? <laughs> what was that we got a bit of a game slot over here have we <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did add some. Uh, I did. I did add a fellow to one of our, our weekly campaigns before uh, before the world ended. Um, and I, I guess if I were to do it again, I probably would have done it a better way. But I, I just spoke with him individually and then just sat him down at the table um, after he'd made his character. I probably wouldn't do it that way again. I probably would. Uh, I don't know how I would do it better next time because the campaign was already in progress. Well, did you notice anything um, different about how he was behaving in the game because of it, or like was he not was really? He, he's, he he's a he's, he's a he, no no he wasn't uncomfortable. Okay. Um, he was a tenured D and D player. Okay, good. It good. just felt a bit it just felt a bit uh, disjointed and janky, right. if that makes sense. Um, I... It was it was only for like the first hour or so until he got into the flow. But if it was a newbie in that situation, whereas he was an expert, it probably would have affected it. Yeah, um, one of the ways I've done it before to drop somebody in the middle is like make them uh, make them either a plot point or um, or make them a mystery for like the other. Uh, players to solve because the um, yeah. the other players will uh, not knowing who that person is is like will like freak them out a little bit and um, yeah. but making them still important enough to keep around so uh, a good example I have is in the, the wild mount game um, somebody joins because somebody had to leave the game because they weren't available anymore so I had a space and I let somebody join in and basically they found uh, the character inside a crystal powering what we called an astrolabe which allowed people to plane shift based on this magic circle on the floor mm-hmm. and basically he woke he woke up and uh, they woke him up um he taught them how to use the astrolabe and they kept him by, nearby because as well he kept saying weird things like that's not supposed to be there like um about like cities and stuff Mm. so he's a bit it's almost like he's out of time mm. um so they're trying to like figure out where he's from yeah you also uh, we also gave him a different language you're encouraging the characters yeah. to explore the new player the new guy yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's that's my that's the only thing that i've ever especially if it's in the middle of something that's the only way i've mm. I've, I've known it to work mm. for me personally yeah. but um i don't know about at the beginning, you know, I've, I've had good and bad experiences with um, suddenly being a new player or being the DM and having to drop in a new player. Um, but I think uh, I think we're we're digressing a little bit. <laughs> we're here to prepare, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> so session zero, session zero. Let's go back yep. to that. Um, what questions are you asking your players, and what questions are your players asking you? Hmm. 
Hmm. I mean, obviously, it's the basics. So, like, if, if they're a new player, obviously, they're like, how do I play? Um, yep. uh, but I, I, I imagine it's mostly, like, character stuff, especially. Like, it's, yeah. it's, for me, yeah. it's mostly character stuff. Like, you know, what's... Because, I, I, obviously, I do a lot of homebrew, so people are always like, you know, can you tell me a little bit about your world um, so I can sort of plop my character in there? And I, I, I sort of bounce some ideas off of the player to help them sort of, like, worm it into the world, which is normally what most of my session zeros are um yeah uh mine's uh mine's very much questions like that um i think the most important question especially if you're making characters is like um is to ask some questions to help construct it so one of them that i used to do don't so much anymore but i used to do was if this character was a character from a tv show film game whatever who would they be so oh that's a good one so for example like if you wanted to make cloud from final fantasy 7 you know fighter like oh yeah fighter um great weapon master human like so you get those basic um things uh at level one and then maybe at level three you determine what kind of cloud you want to build so it do you want to build the materia heavy cloud eldritch knight but if you don't, then uh, something, and you want him to be more physical attacks, you've got things like um, Samurai, mm -hmm. be good for him, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, that's one of the questions I ask. I ask if there's, sometimes if there's anything like uh, taboo, uh, yeah. oh, in terms of like, because yeah, um, I have, I will admit, I've fallen into that trap. Um, and I think if you DM and you say you haven't, you're either one lying or two, you've been not paying attention enough. Because mm. um, uh, yeah, people get triggered by certain things, and so I I ask that. But um, in terms of like players asking me questions, I just want them to feel comfortable asking me anything. So even if they believe it's a stupid question, which there are stupid questions don't get me wrong but in terms of D&D &D, like I don't think there are many like yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think the most important for me for the session zero or the 0 0.5 as I do um, is making sure the characters fit in the world that's a good point yeah and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this in more detail in the next episode, but I want to make sure that the player builds a character that's not just appropriate for the world, but appropriate for the campaign. My experience with this was in Dragon Heist. Um, what I should have done, what I should have done, was had my characters build, uh, had my players build characters that had a vested interest in finding a vast sum of money. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that the first time I ran it, and nobody was uh, that interested in the main plotline, so I had to figure out loads of other plotlines. If I had told them to create characters that needed money for whatever reason, maybe they're nobles and they just want to make a name, maybe they're poor and they need to get off the street, um, then I think it would have been a better campaign. No, no, no. I'm going to retract that last statement. The campaign as it was was fantastic, um, but it would have been more closely tied to the book and it would have been less work for me to make it something that's better. In fact, now that I say this out loud, it's probably better that they didn't make... I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. I've just been contradicting myself like several times. Never mind. Why am I even here? I'm going home. <laughs> um, I, 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 feel, I feel as though I get what you mean, though. Yeah, like Making sure that they, they're invested in like the main plot hook especially in a module like yeah. um 
that that makes I think, sense. I think, let's just boil this down to bring an adventurer to the table. Don't bring a character that just wants to stay in his bakery and make bread. Bring an adventurer that wants to go out and fight dragons. I can't remember who said it, but it was on Twitter, and it, somebody like made a uh, a tweet about like why are all um, why are all D and D characters like orphans and with tragic backstories and then somebody like quite famous replied to me like because nobody who's got a stable life is going to st- go out and slay dragons karen yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like, like yeah on the farm just there like oh do you want to go slay a dragon now i'm fine with my uh with my cobbler business yeah. i'm cool like i can make shoes i'm making money why why, why would you go on adventure yeah, like so true yeah I mean, I'm happy with my four hit points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my my D four my D four hit dice. Uh, <laughs> um, like I I agree though, Leon. Like uh, if if you have characters that don't like have a a a um, sort of path that drives the narrative, um, you're gonna you you as a DM are gonna be like spider webbing so many things because you're like everyone's goals are so like sparse and like different that you're having to sort of like micromanage so many avenues that you could go down which can create yeah. like the panic where it's like one character suddenly run off to do this because he spotted someone that's in his backstory and then the other characters don't really know who that is so they just like kind of carry on shopping and you like trying to balance two things at the same time um i think a good example that's it, that's of, of a time that i've um done something like you said uh, addison the game that you talked about the one that i homebrewed uh, all the characters yeah. were moving to a newly discovered land, much like the Americas of, of the day. Um, and so when I asked the players to make their characters, I specifically asked them to come up with reasons as to why they are leaving the land that they were born in. Like, why is yeah. it that they are basically up and leaving and trying to settle this new world? And with that came a cohesive goal um, generally between them. Uh, which is sort of, I want this new world to be good for me. And so as long as the group had that tied goal, they all sort of generally moved in the in the right direction, which helped me massively. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of cheated with the Wild Mount campaign because I made them all take the um, take a, a certain background from the book. Yeah. Which automatically linked them all together because they were all part of the same faction makes sense that makes sense yeah what what i did for my most recent campaign i just said you're going to start as a group it's for you to decide how you will know each other right yeah oh, do you, do you... all right let me ask you let me let me ask you some quick fire questions okay, yeah. i don't think i don't think we'll answer them quickly but you get the all idea right. um all right <laughs> stat gen how do you do it standard array Standard array, but uh, I, I, I like that is three standard array. Uh, yeah. oh, no, but there's there's a caveat. There Give is, there is caveat. A, a caveat. Uh, it's a little bit like how Matt Mercer sort of stats his characters. Like I naturally want my players to feel heroic, unless I am throwing them in a campaign where I want them to grow from zero to hero. Zero to hero. Um, <laughs> Just like that. Uh, so I want. I want. It, it depends on the campaign. If they are sort of zero to hero, I will give them standard array and they can develop it. If they're sort of coming in from a background of like, they're actually reasonably good at what they do. I, I hate the idea of having a rogue that is like a thief and every sleight of hand 
and thing is just like ruined by the fact that he doesn't have a high enough modifier for it. And I always just, I like to give them just a little bit of an extra boost so that they have a higher rate of success in a thing that they're supposed to be good at. <laughs> well, have I told you about my character who I want to use in your next campaign? He is not only the smartest person in the entire land, he has like several uh, PhDs. He's also the strongest person in the entire land. He can lift an entire house with just his arm, his just, just just the one arm, not two. Nice. And he is the most charismatic motherfucker you could possibly imagine. He is more charismatic than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So please, please, please give me my bonuses. All right. <laughs> well, there we go. My, my, uh, so, so I want to throw a cat amongst the pigeons on this one. A bit of my own like quickfire question. What's everybody's thing about rolling? I hate it. Me too. Thank you, Leon. Thank you. And there is one specific reason I hate it, but I'm going to listen to Troy's re uh, response first, and I'm going to give you my reason. I mean, I don't mind it, but I, I, every time it's rolled, I end up changing it anyway. So it's like, why the fuck did I roll in the first place? <laughs> uh, the reason I hate it is because of one individual, and I, I think both of you know this individual. Um, Zach, if you're out there, you did this to me you scarred <laughs> me like you hurt me deeply oh uh, so zach no matter what and we've all sat there and watched him do it so it's not like he's he's bs'd it at home and cheated like he never ever rolls unless we're all there the dude rolled 18 perfectly for all six stats Jeez. what <laughs> right? No. Which, no, 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 no. Which what, statistically... What, 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 what dice were you using? Uh, he was using uh, D6s. Um, he was using 1D6 as well. So we watched him roll, like what? Uh, 6 times 4... Uh, 28... 24 times. 24 times we watched him roll the same D6. Right? And we rolled it, and it still landed on 6. So... But, and he's done this to me twice, pretty much. I think one of them, it was oh, there was 116. So, one time, he played a Law Bard, which... Like, and so, he was good at everything. There was no point in any of us being here. Like, screw this. Like, And then the second one, he was a Tempest Cleric. Wow. So, somehow, the Tempest Cleric that believed he was... So, no word of a lie he this human tempest character believed he was dragonborn because he was raised by dragonborns and would even when he looked in the mirror he had an intelligence of plus four and he didn't believe that he wasn't a dragon right it, so i'm just there like what what's the point what's the point of me being here his wisdom modifier was so high that he just ended everything like i was like there like why why is my small Elf boy druid ass here. Like I'm like I don't understand. I was I was so oh so angry like about it, and it just it it pains me to this day. So from from that, that is that is my problem with rolling. Um, you, you know you're gonna get somebody like Zach who has maximum maximum stats from level one, and then you're gonna get um Sarah whose highest stat is a fourteen. Oh yeah, and, exactly. You know, it's, it's 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 a team based game, yeah. and the standard array serves to have. Um, an equal playing field for everybody on the team without anybody feeling left out or useless. Yeah, and more, yeah, and more that, specifically, that's, that's what it boils down to for me. More specifically, it actually has like one strong stat and like one weak stat, and it forces the players to think, what am I good at and what am I bad at? Yeah. yeah. 
Whereas if you're rolling like six 18s, what's, what's, what's the point of everybody else being there? Turns out I'm good at everything. Set. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I didn't even, because I forgot about to touch on that, because that is the thing, because I've tried rolling once, and oh, my stats were so bad, like for what I was, like because I was just there like, there is literally no point in me being this character because all my stats were really bad. And he and yeah. the DM was like really kind and he said, Well, you can re-roll a couple. And even when I re-rolled them, they were like the same or worse. So he was just like, just take standard array. Like this yeah, is yeah. this is ridiculous. And it's cause I couldn't do anything. Like I was playing a paladin and my charisma score was was below ten. <laughs> oh no. Like, yeah. could... This this is why I don't like standard array. Because uh, it's just you like standard array. So this is why I don't use rolling. Yeah. If anybody's wondering, I am not drunk, <laughs> nor am I high. The only thing I've drunk today is water. That's some good um, water. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like next time you fight a dragon, you might as well just run in its mouth, so you have an, uh, an excuse to build another character. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Alrighty then. Yeah, I've been there. I've done it. All right, next quick fire question: yeah. XP versus milestones. Go, Troy. Milestone. Uh, Addison. Milestone for homebrew. XP for modules. Leon. Milestones for everything apart from adventure. What's it called? Adventurers, Adventurers League. Adventurers League. In which case, XP. Adventurers. Ad XP is only for Adventurers League. It's not for anything else. It's just for. Adventurous League. That's my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I think that the modules are built around XP mm. a bit more nope, than Milestone nope. sometimes. Nope, they are. No, no. For the past like five modules, they've been built around Milestones. Uh, we, uh, Wizards of the Coast abandoned XP a long time ago for anything other than Adventurous League. Oh, fair enough then. Then I'm on I'm, I'm Milestones all the way then, if that's the case. Yep. I love milestones. It just gives you way much more control over when and where your players are progressing. And mm. I like the fact as well that like it encourages them to, especially if you do like um, milestones in terms of like narrative. It encourages them to like role play and stuff and go through something yep. rather than just like yeah. I'm gonna blitz through this dungeon and blah 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 blah. And get farm XP. Yeah, you like you, like you video. Break, game. Yeah, you yeah. break away from that video game. Like, let's go to this random place and kill a bunch of adorable creatures to then get XP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just spend the next three months killing boar in the woods. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, <laughs> I love that South Park reference, by the way. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's way better if you just sort of like say, you know. I'm going to go milestone XP, you know, as you guys begin to unlock parts of the story, you're almost rewarding your players for adventuring. And that's what it's about. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the, the flip side with XP is you're rewarding players for killing. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's, a, if there's a situation that you don't need to fight, let's say, I don't know, there's a troll. He's got something stuck in his foot. Um, you talk to the troll, you take the thing out of his foot. There's no combat. You don't get XP. Whereas... You see a troll, you want XP. You kill troll. Yeah, simple. You get I, XP. I don't know. And then, I, and then, sorry, and then there's other questions. There's other questions uh, regarding XP as well. It's like um, I've had DMs before that only give XP to the person who got the killing blow, which was absolute nonsense. Oh yeah, no, uh, like, put him in the bin, kill it with fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's and then there's if if somebody misses misses a session. Um, 
that person doesn't get any XP for that session, so then everybody's leveling up differently. Is that fair? Should that person be penalized because they had to take on an extra shift at work? It's, it's, it's just too many questions regarding XP. I'd just rather do milestones, reward the adventuring, reward the roleplay, go with that route rather than, you know, asking 10,000 questions about when and how everybody gets XP. So there you go, DMs out there. Yeah. Yeah, milestones for the win, apparently, eh, Troy? Yeah, damn right. I no, I have I will caveat like the thing with XP though in terms of like just killing, because I have seen some people oh, yeah. use XP quite interestingly in terms of um, so if you survive like a social encounter with a with a troll, so like we'll use your troll example, Leon. Um, I've never done this personally, but um, when I was learning to DM, it was something that I considered. Um. So the troll's got something stuck in his foot. You survive that uh, social encounter and you um, you finish it, blah, blah, blah. There was no combat. Some DMs do reward XP for the social... Um, yes, yes, thing. they do. I've, I've, I've had a DM that would reward XP for uh, social interactions, but only 50%. And it's like, why? What? What? What, what is the basis for? I would, why are you deciding it's only worth fifty percent? I would say that you give them the whole thing. So if you re- react That's with a I king, if you react with a king who has a CR what ten, you get the CR ten XP mm. for that one like tense interaction. You don't get it every time you talk to them, because I suppose yeah. that's the danger. Yeah. But when it's like an encounter, like a. a, a almost like a negotiation or an intimidation or something like that then yes like where you have to work for it the sort of thing yeah but um i again so essentially that's that's a milestone by stealth yeah pretty admittedly yeah they've, they've, they've achieved this they've, they've achieved this significant point in the story and you're rewarding them for it so it's just milestones but with extra steps yeah true so like, like i said i don't i don't condone xp anymore now that i know that a lot of the modules aren't in xp anymore like i would prefer milestones completely but i'm just saying that some people might be there like in the comments like well i I reward social XP, and I'm like, we know that. We just prefer um, milestones. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I can I can tell you off the top of my head, Dragon Heist is milestones. Ghosts of Saltmarsh is milestones. Descent into Avernus is milestones. Um, Princes of the Apocalypse gives you options for both, because um, I think that's where they made the turning point. Right. And I think everything from there on forwards is 100% milestones. Fair enough. Very nice. And I think that's probably why Matt Mercer made the change as well, probably because uh, the wizards were making the change. See, that too. makes me more inclined to look into getting some of these modules. Yeah. I will lend you some as soon as the pandemic allows me outside. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Leon. <laughs> All right, next quickfire question. Let's go. Um, optional rules. Optional rules. Which ones do you use? I'm talking things like flanking. I'm talking things like feats. Which optional rules from the Dungeon Master's Guide do you use? Uh, let's start with Addison. Flanking, because as a martial artist, like I know very much that one of the things you do when you're fighting multiple opponents is you keep them in front of you. Yep. You never let them get either side of you. Um, yep. Because it becomes a battle of too much resource management it's one of the reasons why in a lot of self-defense settings and scenarios courses whatever you want to call it the first thing they'll tell you to do if you are ever um fighting multiple opponents is get your back against the wall like so i i firmly believe in like flanking as like a as like a thing 
like some people are like well it's e- as easy to hit you or, or it shouldn't be easier to hit me because you're on the other side of me i'm like unless you've got eyes in the back of your head like yes it is like that's why people get jumped so it's not even like a realism thing it's just like something i know so um because it also encourages people to fight from angles and it encourages the use of movement in creative ways so yeah, yeah players have to think more tactically rather than just you know hit with axe hit with axe hit with axe <laughs> I think that in terms of other like little rules, um, it depends on the campaign I'm playing. So one of the things that um, in my Disney campaign that I did recently that Troy was a part of and you were a part of for a little bit, Leon, is um, actually one of the things that I was doing in terms of feats, especially with feats, um, is that every time you defeated like a boss and you got their weapon, basically attuning it gave you a feat. Like, and I quite liked that. Mm. It was quite fun. I enjoyed that um, because of the fact that you could get things like pole arm master because you had this pole arm rather than having to sacrifice um, an ability score improvement or something like that. And you could like swap out feats. It was like a cool little like it was like a cool. It was almost like a video game mechanic. Like you're learning this skill because you have this bit of gear equipped, but it just uh, but it fit that world because it's very it's a very like cartoony Disney like esque mechanic yeah characters i don't think i could do that yeah Yeah, i don't think that it would work in say my wild mount game yeah i think uh those those are the only two optional rules i use as well flanking um i've only just started using flanking in my most recent campaign ghost of saltmarsh um and i'm quite enjoying it it's uh i have a rogue the rogue is thinking more tactically about how he can run in and do some stabbing and uh the other optional rule i use is feats I, for all of my campaigns, I give players a free feat, um, just to add that little bit of extra customization to the characters. Because um, my opinion is feats don't make everything overpowered. I mean, you only have one action, you only have one bonus action. Um, it's just giving you another choice to use. Yes, I love choice. another another way to customize your character. Because you know, a level twenty paladin is a level twenty paladin. The only difference is the is the subclass. Yeah. You know. Anything else yeah. you can do to change your character up a little bit is is fine with me. Yeah. Anyway, Troy, over to you. Uh, flanking, yes, love flanking. Uh, I'm a I'm a real time strategy uh, gamer, so as soon as Whoa. there's any layer, any level of uh, strategy involved, I'm like hell yeah, let's put that in there. Um, feats, love feats. Same thing as you, Leon and Addison. It's like it gives this uh, extra layer of customization and choice. The players can just be like, oh, this feat really suits kind of how he fights or how he interacts with people. And it's like, perfect, you can take that. Um, I don't give it out for free, so I'm definitely playing in your next game, Leon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there is a rule that I've no longer uh, done in my current campaign, but I used to do a while back, which is the natural one table of uh mishaps ah so so a lot of a lot of dms either have like a a a crit sort of table or or a natural uh one table um when i first did it i sort of just did it on the fly uh whenever someone rolled a natural one i'd think about what they were doing at the time and make the mishap related to such a thing e.g a someone using their bow boasting bowstring breaks or you know when they miss their shot it hits someone else you know adding this like extra layer of like uh, jeopardy to the natural one makes people like across the table when they see the one kind of go (gasps) Um, but I stopped it purely because um, it was 
it was getting to the point where uh, I, I was uh, I was losing a lot of my players' uh, interest. So I might I might bring it back to uh, a group that may be more inclined to enjoy such a thing. Uh, but the players that I have at the moment were getting really annoyed with the natural ones because I was doing some really bizarre stuff to them. Um, <laughs> so I, I I kind of called that off. But that was that was something like outside of the normal sort of optional rules that I was like, oh yeah, that's something I used to do, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I, I used to use those, and I, I guess I stopped using it for, for similar reasons. Um, another reason was that it just slowed the combat, uh, slowed the combat down a little bit. It's like, yeah, okay, now I need to run a D100. Let me check what that does. Oh, yeah, it does that. Okay, so this is what happens. It, it just slowed it down a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I just make something up on the spot when I get a natural one or a, or a, or a crit. Yeah, I, I do. Um, yeah. uh, that's something I wanted to ask you guys about, your crit rule before um before we yeah, move technically on that's optional isn't it yeah, yeah double all of the dice and an energy modifier because i had i've had two two well i've had f all three versions of this that i've heard there was one it's double all the dice which is i one i use personally yeah that's one yep, i use same. um then add modifiers i had one well, that answers your question so just tell us what the other two are <laughs> the other two are um uh the other two are roll dice twice which i think is stupid and the other one is do the full dice damage and then roll dice and then add modifiers if that makes sense so so if you've got a d uh, 2d6 for a great sword you do 12 damage off the bat and then you roll your 2d6 again say you get eight uh so you've got 20 damage plus your modifiers well that's the thing because of the fact that 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 was insane it did happen on a sneak attack and because of how it was worded like you roll you'd score max on all rolled dice then roll dice again sneak attack was insane so the dm had to stop that because of the fact that uh, the dude who was uh because he had assassinate as well as an assassin you automatically crit if you go first don't you and you have sneak attack so yeah like ouch yeah he was just unzipping people like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's what i wanted to know and then i had a cool thing for the feats thing but it's not a big deal some people like to earn feats like you have to do certain things like 10 times it's a bit of another video game mechanic -y thing and then yeah. you earn that feat but i'm it's not something i'm a fan of really well let's yeah. shuffle on then let's shuffle on yes this is going to be quite a long episode so i hope everybody's enjoying it um all right so You've got your campaign planned out in your head on a macro level, a high level. You have an idea of the story you want to tell overall, plus the individual stories you want your players to go through. So let's talk about the micro micro level. How do you plan for an individual session? I've already discussed what I do. I don't plan until like two hours before the session. Uh, but what do you guys do? How do you plan a session? Not a campaign, just the individual three, four, five hour session. I'm going to let Troy take this one first. Yeah, he's okay. the home Yeah. Well, um, I am a bullet point god. Uh, <laughs> I would, I load up my six shooter full of bullet points and I bang, bang, bang into the word document until I've got a basic outline. That um, is one heck of an analogy, Troy Brother. Like, I, that's that's how I do. Like bullet points. That's that is my jam. I will I will pull out a document. I'll be there like, right, where are they going? A little bit like you, but maybe not an hour before. Um, I'll just maybe after the last session, I'll just be like, right, what are the key points that have happened? And then maybe I'll come back to it again, do some do some more bullet points, you know, like where could they go? 
and then maybe like larger bullet points for like you know overall plot plot hooks and and places that they're sort of going to be potentially visiting um but i kind of keep it really vague because you know i i'm I've done a lot of improvisation, um, so I, I can come up with things on the fly. As long as I have my bullet points, I am set. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think we yeah. we're we're all on a similar wavelength with that, like bullet points. The, I think my only my only difference is yourself and Troy. <laughs> uh, uh, um, with bullet points is I have a thing of a focus character, so one of my party members is not the favorite i'm not going to use that word but like they are in the spotlight they are in the spotlight i'm a very character orientated gm i think me and troy spoke about this multiple times yeah. but i'm very character orientated so i'll go right this session i want to put this person on the spot in the spotlight and learn more about them in these bullet points so i'll do things like um give them things that or will give them challenges that none of the other players have and like because they're so sneakily sometimes well they're not sneakily now sorry guys <laughs> but now they're so sneakily sent in like people don't like go oh why are they getting all this stuff like they and then we explore some of their characters and what why they are like they are and stuff like that so yeah i have like a focus character but mine's very much like a garden path of bullet points like there's going to be an attack by a fire giant like mm-hmm. cool yep. like there's going to be this cool they're going to possibly find this but then spotlight character if they get this blah 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 blah, blah. yeah like I planned traps last my last wild mount session like I basically right. trolled them all and kept making them fall for traps because none of them <laughs> were checking and then when they found them they weren't telling each other so like I just mm. kept like if, they, if you're not telling each other then you don't know therefore you don't get advantage and therefore you're going to fall for them like um, yeah. so yeah that was pretty fun <laughs> yeah. are you a bullet point boy leon i'm not i'm not a bullet point boy um my preparation consists of, i like to leave a session on not quite a cliffhanger but um i'll give an example um the last session I played in person with Addison before the world ended, yeah, and um, we were playing, we were playing Curse of Strahd, and uh, for those who are familiar with Curse of Strahd, we just got to um, the town of Barovia. We just met Ismark. Oh, what did your character do, Addison? So, go, uh, no, hang on. No, no, no. I, oh, okay. So I shot this dude no, no, no. in the foot. I shot this yeah, dude shot in the foot. <laughs> You just shot a you just shot a random guy in the foot that you just met and who was very uh, polite to you. But anyway, was he? Uh, oh, hang on, Irish. hang on. What? No, he was not polite. And I, he I... was incredibly polite. He invited you to his house. He bought you a round of beverages and you shot him in the foot. This is a story for another time, Leon. <laughs> yes, but that is, the point is the point is that's where I ended the session. I like to leave my sessions on points like that so that I can spend the next week thinking about what I'm going to do during that session uh, during the next session and then about an hour, two hours before um, I will commit to what I want to how I want to resolve that situation Yeah. Um, obviously I'm not going to say how I intend to 
resolve that situation because Anderson's in the campaign, but I will Don't eventually. Give away those trade um, secrets. I, yeah, I'll, I'll spend a week thinking about what I want to do, and then an hour before I'll commit to what I want to do. So if they've just decided to go to a tavern or something, um, I'll think about what could happen inside that tavern. If somebody's just shot somebody in the foot, I'll consider how the entire town will react. Um, I'll, I'll look at rules for um, mass fights. Because I think the six of them are probably going to have to fight about twenty villagers. Um, <laughs> Thunder wave. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, if they are on the road somewhere, I, I'll probably um, roll a random encounter beforehand so that I can, you know, flavor how I'm going to put that encounter um, into the game. You know, things like that. Um, going back to what I said in the previous segment. As long as you know the world, the characters, the NPCs, um, you can set it up so in a, in such a way that your characters can go anywhere, do anything, and you'll be prepared for it. If you're not prepared for it, just make it up on the spot. Nine times out of ten, I'm making stuff up on the spot because characters will ask a question I don't know the answer to, so I'll just make something up. And it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Because um, if you make something up on the spot, you have to commit to it. Yeah which is the problem um but you know the, the more you practice it the better you get at it, i suppose it is it's a thing of practice yeah, yeah. and i think it, again um you'd be lying as a dm if you said that you planned out everything and you never made anything up like what, what yeah. why lie about that we 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 know that like 80 percent of our session was stuff being made up and us like having to move our goalposts sort of thing so yeah. it's fine <laughs> Mate, I'm running around that field with a damn goalpost. I'm like, please, kick it in here, damn it. <laughs> Let's take a bit of a cheekier turn for the next segment. All of this requires a lot of imagination to do, preparing a campaign. Any imagination is nothing without inspiration. What sources have you straight up ripped off for your games? Troy. Every anime ever. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, but like uh it's, it's mainly the media that i consume like yes. nine times out of ten it's always going to be something that has influenced me as an individual through the story that they've written so yeah. eg i mentioned lord of the rings uh in the last episode um i've just mentioned obviously animes there are a lot of really good animes out there i'm currently using some of the uh animes that i uh, watched as a kid for inspiration for the current game that I'm running um, just because the way that they were written back in those days um, there was a simplicity to them yeah. and and the plots sort of like rolled through and like there were what animes do really well is not only the flavor um, but they love slotting in lore time and yeah. I, I love a bit of lore. Uh, I will, I will lore dump my players whenever they ask for it because it's, it's my thing. Um, so animes, they have that, that classic uh, midway episode. You know, your character's trying to win whatever it is, and they're having this big fight. And then, like midway through, they have a flashback, and they're like, "Oh, remember this time?" Well, I don't do it to that degree. Uh, <laughs> I do just like stop the fight in the middle and be like, "You're having a memory." Um, you have filler episodes. Of... That's what you have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I will. I will block out like. Um, so if they had like maybe three episodes, like three. I nearly said episodes. I mean, I guess that's how I run them. Uh, if I had three sessions in a row where they were fighting non-stop, um, and they finally come out the other side of it, 
I'm gonna then give them an opportunity to calm down, find out some law, and maybe have a moment to think about those things. And I, that inspiration comes from the anime that I consume and the, the media. Um, so, uh, to, for, for the people out there that may be interested in these animes, um, uh, Black Clover, really good, uh, enjoying that one at the moment. Uh, uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba or uh, Demon Slayer, another really good one. Um, Throwback to Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, specifically Yu-Gi-Oh GX, which I'm using for inspiration, um, and also um, My Hero Academia. Uh, two very good uh, sort of animes to watch if you want to do a high school setting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 mainly what I steal from. Oh, and games. Question, question. Does Castlevania count as an anime? Because that was my main inspiration for when I ran. You're damn right, it does. It's, it's, it's a, it's so a game, it was the game first, but the anime is bloody brilliant. Uh, I yeah, think, that, that, I that, think that was pretty much what I modelled my Barovia on. I do think the dude as well said that he um, he wants it to be classified as an anime. The guy who made yeah. it because of the fact that he literally used their style and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, this, this gives me an idea to do a to do a Dragon Ball Z themed episode, not episode campaign. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody's a monk. No, Everyone's was... just shouting more like they're just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> and an entire round of combat takes three hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. You need the dude with the voice though. The guy's like, and the go- can Goku defeat <laughs> like Freezer? Oh yeah. Time on Dragon <laughs> Ball Z. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. What about you, Leon? What do you dragon. use? Like what do I use? Um, well, Castlevania is fantastic. Um, what I really like to use is I like to use a lot of mythological stuff. Um, I'll give an example. Um, I don't think this episode is going to go out before I do this in the game, so I'm happy to say this. Um, in my next session of Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which I'm just using as like a, a skeleton, basically. Um, the best thing about Ghosts of Saltmarsh is the, the random tables at the back and the ship rules. Um, I am going to introduce a pirate captain. That pirate captain will be a Medusa. Oh. Yeah, wow. a Gorgon. That's pretty sick. I love the, the Greek and Roman mythology, so I like to use a lot of that in my games. Um, the pirate captain is going to have a, a crew filled with... Uh, and they're all going to be blinded, apart from a couple of yuan who are immune to the curse, because, you know, they're snake people, and Medusa has mm. snakes on her head. Um, things like that I love to use. Um, I like to take a little bit from Egypt, uh, take a little bit from the Aztecs. Really like to throw all of that stuff in my games. Love that stuff. You're quite historic. You're not really using too much like fantasy resources. Huh? Well, I mean, it depends on your definition of fantasy. You could consider it fantasy. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love this cool. stuff. Like, like I, I have, I have a tattoo of Anubis on my calf. I love this stuff. That is cool. Very nice. If I do ever get around to finishing off a homebrew campaign, it'll probably be some kind of blend of Egyptian mythology with some Greek mythology, some British mythology, all that kind of stuff. But the thing Count is, me in. But the thing is, Leon, Theros is coming out. Theros <laughs> is coming oh, out. Of course. Oh my god. Are you cursed, Leon? <laughs> the thing is, that's a setting book, I believe, and not a, yeah. not a module. So I can absolutely take some stuff from that if it's a setting book. <laughs> Um, if it is a campaign module, well, then there goes my homebrew again. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, it's a setting book because Theros is a setting in Magic: The Gathering, just yeah, like it's a plane. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I'm, I'm looking forward to that book. 
more than I have of any other book that Wizards have released, simply for that reason. Addison, I know your answer because I've seen it so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go for it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually um, anime and books, mainly um, books, um, and very much uh, and Critical Role, I guess, because I, I run a lot of my campaigns in the world of Critical Role. Um, but yeah, it's mainly uh, and in terms of like when I say books, I, I and anime. I will straight up rip characters and we're going to talk about this later um, but if I've not got an NPC and I'm like they're like oh um, because that is one of the great things about anime okay anime do tropey characters fantastically and like so if you've got a trope that you need to fill you just pick any one of a thousand characters from a thousand anime and you could probably fill it like so um yeah um so that is my main thing is is books because i'll take things like concepts from books so like one of the things that i really like and it's a part of uh, british mythology actually um is the idea of true names like true names in terms of like them giving power and permission over things yeah. there was so, a, there was an unearthed arcana for that type of yeah magic, wasn't it oh mate or something. i i i've not i have been using that um quite frequently but i don't think my players have realized like um okay um i, th- I, I um so because of the fact that uh the campaign kind of allows for like experimentation with magic because that's kind of what their faction's about yeah. um i can use some of the unearthed arcana like magical sources which is pretty fun um you would absolutely wreck descent into avernus because there's a lot of devils in there and everybody knows what happens once you find out a devil's true name yeah exactly and I, that's what i quite I, I quite like concepts like that um i kind of want to do something with the concept of uh, demons or demons from um his dark materials i don't know if any of you have ever oh, oh yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so i want to do something like that like a concept like that and like genuinely have some sort of like animal avatar that all the characters have like a familiar that all the characters have but um just give everybody the uh the, the chain warlock yeah feature. chain warlock pretty cool, actually. yeah yeah and yeah, then and then like have something to do with that like like from his dark materials not going to spoil it but you know like some like concepts like that that's my main thing so yeah if, since since we're, con- since we're discussing ripoffs I am very, 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 very tempted to rip off your your idea with the with the, with the familiars. Uh, well, I think we can all come to the consensus that ripping things off is a big part of being a DM. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's going to take inspiration from some somewhere, and even if you just straight up copy and paste it, don't worry. Like because even if your players have consumed the media that you're copy and pasting, at least even then it's familiar to that player yeah um and 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 that they will have like almost an, an initial mental reference to what you're doing mm. um this is all ripped off from Tolkien anyway yeah yeah and like <laughs> yeah exactly yeah the whole mod the whole game itself is a rip off really and, and the thing is like what's it nothing's original under the sun like yeah you yeah. you may think that you've found like the most awesome concept ever um tell you what i'm gonna google it I bet you there's thousands of others just like it or next to it by like one degree. Like, well, no one's ever done a chill podcast, all right, guys? Yeah. So we've got that market, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah no um yeah that's those are my main inspirations and we've kind of talked about most of the bullet points on on the script like yeah why we might do it so one of my things might be to fill a void um i've got a massive tournament arc coming up in my wild mount campaign talking about anime inspirations genuinely got a tournament arc um and to so i've like kind of filled the other teams with stock anime characters but then changed nice. little things about them so um if my players are listening you're welcome um so for example um i've got Bertolt from uh attack on titan Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. I mean, I'm, I don't want to say anything, but like his bird. I, I, I exactly, and I will say his signature spell is enlarge. Okay, right. Oh, cool. Good to know. Okay, so um, they're all like wizards, like so. It's all like different wizards, sorcerers. Um, it's a tri wizard cut. Pretty, pretty much. It's um, basically uh, the best way to put it is that the faction that they're all a part of. Um, has three different teams representing three different people who want to be the leader and basically the people who lose will lose face and therefore lose power so that my my players are representing one of those people and like they can't lose it's basically <laughs> like don't come back if you've lost is, is the basic yeah. thing so this is just screaming try wizard tournament at me yeah it is literally that yeah <laughs> I think, Leon, you need to uh, maybe do some copy and pasting here on uh, Triwizard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was thinking for my for my Greek campaign of starting it with an Olympics. Oh, yes. Mate, yeah. I'll do... I'll, oh, yes. Oh. That's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, I don't know how it would work yet, but, you know, it'll be two hours before the session before I decide how it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Classically. <laughs> Alright, shall we go shall we go into the final segment? I'm getting a tingly sensation. <laughs> yeah, here goes that time. It's here it goes, here it goes. I'm getting it's time. Time. So, uh, so last time uh we all answered a question. Um but I think this time I think only one of us because we've 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 done we've done quite a bit in this episode and I wanna sort of like keep it at a, a good length for everyone listening at home. So what we'll do is we'll we'll choose who's gonna answer the question and then they will be the one to answer the question. And then whoever didn't answer the question will sort of maybe uh, p- pursue their ideals a little bit more. Okay. Yes, please, I... before we start that, please let, let me uh, tell the listeners what we're about to do. Um, we oh, are yes. about to do another segment of The Deck of Many Questions. This is the part of the show where we take user-submitted questions, and they can be easy, difficult, tame, controversial, whatever. We put them on a list, assign each question a number, and roll the dice to determine the question. Then we roll a dice to determine which of us will answer the question. And then the person answers the question. Or did you just oh. say we're going to do something different, Troy? And I just completely... Well, no, 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 that's it. Uh, it's it. It's cool. it. We, but <laughs> because... Um... But, but last episode, we all answered one because it was our first one. Yep. Um, but this time round, it'll be one person answering the question. One person right. in the hot seat, baby. Yep. Who's, yep. who's got the dice handy? I have. I'm, I'm ready. All right. So one ready to two to is me. Three to four, Addison. Five to six, Troy. Okay. Let's go. Four. So that's me. That is <laughs> you, boy. Question. Uh, All right, now we need a D twenty. Give me the number, and I will give you the question. I'll take a sixteen, please, Leon. You'll take a sixteen. Okay. 
Oh. <laughs> okay, this will be a good one considering what we just discussed. Nice easy one for you. Um, what characters from film, TV, or books would you make an adventure parting an, an adventuring party with, and what would be their classes? Oh yeah. Um, nice what standard party size? Give me a standard party size. Four, four. five. I'll go with four. four. Four, four. Okay, so I'm going. I'm going. Let's have to start our fighter. So we're gonna go with our fighter. So we'll go with standard. I'm taking Squall Leonhart from Final Fantasy VIII as my fighter. Ooh. Um, oh, okay. subclass probably. Uh, either samurai actually no um is it battle master the one with all the maneuvers he'd be a battle master because yeah, yeah. they're yeah. freshly trained uh people to fight yeah. um i'm taking for my uh druid actually i'll go next my druid i'm taking pocahontas from uh, from disney um yeah. because uh She'd probably be Circle of Land rather than because uh, she wouldn't really transform. Hers would be more like communicating with nature and using spells. Yeah. Um, Wizard. Now, I don't know if you know this book, but there is a book series called The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. I mentioned it uh, in our first episode and why I watch Ack Inc. And there is a character in it called Quoth. Now, Quoth um, is apparently just the greatest thing that ever was. And um, he is a wizard. Um, so, and he would do onomancy if I was allowed to use that as a uh, thing. But if not, he would very much be a war mage. If so we've not, got your fighter, we've got your druid, you've got your wizard. What's next? Yep. I need, I need, uh, I'm going to have to go for it. I'm going to have to go for a bard, I think. There um, he is. Yeah. There <laughs> he is. I'm going to take a bard. I'm going to take. Uh. I think in the games he's called Dandelion. Oh but... yes, Jaskia. Oh, Jaskia from yeah. The Witcher as <laughs> as my as my Totter coin baby. Um yeah. because because I also just like the fact that he would just be flabbergasted at everything because that's all he is in The Witcher. He's just confused yeah. like royally all the time. Yeah. Like how does this work? Like so yeah, um that's those are the guys I'd take. I would take Squall Leonhart from Final Fantasy VIII, Pocahontas from Disney, Quoth from the, the Name of the Wind slash the King Killer Chronicles, and then Jaskier from uh, The Witcher as my bard. And he would with be... Part, with myself there as a monk, yeah. Or um, if... if, if uh, Because it's my favourite class, I'm going to throw one in there. If we're taking anyone, we're taking Bruce Lee's character from Enter the Dragon as our monk. Because do not look at the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. Like, it's one of the greatest lines in cinema. Like, um, yeah, that, those are, that's my five. That's my, that's my wow. five. Uh, that's a good five. squad. That is a good squad. That is a good squad. I'm, I'm, I was, I was like waiting for you to like judge me, like really heavily. Like I was like, I will, I, I will ask. That there are some character, there are some like classes that you've omitted. Is there one class that you've omitted for a particular reason? Like, there's not many characters that you know fit it, or you just don't think that that kind of fits with the characters that you've chosen. I think, I think cleric would be hard to do. Um, right. From 
like from a perspective of like characters from games that aren't literally like gods like you could you could take things like i don't know um i uh, see you've never played dragon age um yeah like and I, i don't know like a lot of the characters who were like religious in in medium uh media and different mediums don't really aren't really going to be adventuring types are they they usually like support characters usually who... they're to be uh, antagonists really aren't they the religious ones yeah. Yeah. yeah either antagonists or they're there to as like a, a guide they're like a quest giver like you go yeah, to the church know. to get a fetch quest sort of thing like i think the party that you've chosen in my mind is a very campaign versatile party if you know what i mean oh yeah like you could plop you could plop that little group that you've chosen in pretty much any setting and it would sort of wiggle its way in somehow yeah no i i, I was like thinking like how could i get them to fit together because i was like i could go like really wacky at this point because one of my favorite characters in all of media is woody from toy story but like how do oh, you yeah. how do you even make that work would he be a ranger would he get bullseyes like an animal companion i don't know so yeah. i was just like yeah have him as a ranger yeah um does he get guns does he have a snake in his boot how does this work like it, was, it got confusing <laughs> so i was just like right i'll go druid pocahontas like so yeah, yeah. i panicked i'm no, sorry that's... <laughs> well that's your answer now you're done yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> solid but, yeah. and with answer. with that that brings us an end to this episode themed around dm preparation um thank you again for listening um, if you do have any questions for the deck of many questions, do please engage with us on social media. Any and all questions that are submitted will be added to the list. Um, we're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are on YouTube. So um, find the links somewhere in the description to this video and come follow us. Come join the conversation. Um, Addison, Troy, anything else you want to say before we go? Other than that, we we love all of the people that have been watching it so far and enjoying it, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and the next one that we've got rolling out. I am pretty much the same. Like, thanks to everyone who's helped us out, giving us feedback, all that jazz you've been, and that we're just loving this. We're loving having this time to do this. So, thanks yeah. for yeah. humouring us, I guess. So, yeah, peace. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, wish so you without, well. without further ado, we will see you all next week where we will be talking character creation. So please do tune in for that one. Ooh. Yes. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Peace.